Hi, I'm Lavetta. <coughs> I'm Miriam. And this is Notorious Women Podcast. A comedy podcast. About some of history's most notorious women. Oh my god! We did it! We did it! That was amazing. We're professional now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so okay. back to 24. Right. Um, it's very addictive. That's what I heard. The way that it's set up. Um, yeah, it's... You know how now yeah. you can like not get into a show that's popular right. and then like two years later decide to get into yeah. it and it's fine. Back in the day when 24 was a thing, you can't decide later right. on. You had to decide yeah. then and there. And so now, do I want it? Like the West Wing. Never saw the West Wing. I saw parts. I haven't seen all of it because it was what, 10 seasons? It's like 100,000 seasons. Yeah. But um, apparently it's all really worth it. Have you seen The Wire? Also, no. Girl, you know what? Ha- you know what happened? But you have kids. Uh, first of all, I have children. Second of all, I had this very terrible job waiting tables once, which I'm sure most people <laughs> yeah. can relate to. And one of the training, you know, that occasional like we want to train you to do this aspect better or that aspect yes. better. And you're like, yes, there's nothing I want more than to be a better waiter. <laughs> um, so I went to that because I had no choice. And they showed us a scene from the show The Wire. Can't what? tell you what the scene was. What scene was Can't that? Can't tell you what it was about. I can tell you two things. It was a really good moment in television drama. It was also then related to my job waiting tables. And so I kind of opted out. I yeah. was like, that show about waiting tables? No, thank you. The base, I have that's my no story. idea because the last thing you think of when you think of the wire is it was waiting like tables. How to balance? It was you know it's a it's an actor who got promoted to tell us how to wait tables, and so he likes the show, and so oh. he was like, "You see how they can balance? Well, that is how you'll balance the plates on your arms when you clear the table." Oh, you know, it was just it, an excuse. It was just an excuse. It had nothing to do with anything. I'm um, telling you, the wire is. Probably the greatest American television show in history. Okay, maybe I'll see it. I'm telling you. Okay. It is so, it's a slow burn. It's a show for intelligent people. You know, so Uh, much American television is very pace oriented or like, so it's like, it's like when you first started watching Law and Order back in the day, like in the 90s. And you're like, this is genius. And then you watch Law and Order for a long time. And then you realize, oh, you know there's the law exactly part. Exactly what's going to happen. And yes. you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But then it took me a while to figure out, oh, so the law part is when they arrest the person. And the order part is when they go into the courtroom. Yes. But there's a rhythm to it, right? So it has a little bit of that. But then the characters in it are characters that we all know exist in the world, but you yeah. never see on television. Oh, interesting. Oh, And they cool. also do, what they do is every season, they it's a different sort of like system, governmental system, right? Okay. And they really show you an overview of it. I think my favorite season is season four where they deal with the children and why the education system is flawed and broken and why it fails children. Oh. And, and then like the last season, they cover newspapers. And like, so they really oh, break it down. So it's like, okay. cause I had a friend that was like, no, I'm tired of watching shows about black people being drug dealers. And I'm like, girl, I get it. But it's not about black people being drug. It's not, it's not. In fact, the second season they go on the docks and the, it's like a mostly docks. white cast. Like, okay. and you're just, I remember the second season I was like, where's Stringer Bell? Who is Idris Elba's character by the oh, way? Oh, hey. That's how Idris okay. became Okay, That's why famous. it's the greatest yeah. American 
Um, Drama of all time. <laughs> but for me, Omar is my favorite character. He's almost everybody's favorite character. Omar is a, a drug dealer. He's a black guy. But he was openly gay. Oh, interesting. And he's gangster as fuck. And he steals from the other drug dealers. But here's, here's the thing. You're right. That's exactly it. That's yeah. exactly what you're saying. We need that because that totally exists. But you never, ever see it. He's not ashamed of being gay. He's just like, yeah, that's just my man. Like, but And then he has like the, the actor, Michael K. Williams, who is so wonderful. He has like a scar across his face. And I remember watching the first season. I was like, is that a real scar? And like, And as an actor, you're watching it and you're like, I feel like some of these people aren't acting. Oh, shit. That's how good it is. The okay. acting on it is so... Michael B. Jordan was a kid on it. Oh, no kidding. And so it's so weird because when you see him, he still has the same face and you're just like, oh my God, no, you're like 15 and this is Stop gross. it. Stop it. Yeah. At least the first season. Okay. okay. And you'll see All right. sexy Fine. Idris Elba, who is the most gorgeous black British man ever. <laughs> uh and I'm sticking to it, so. I'm, I'm not mad at Idris Elba. I, I just, know. I don't have our honeymoon plans like you do. Um, I know. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slow burn, though. It's, you know what? It's like, a, it's like a British TV show. You know the pacing of it? Yeah. You know what? I would have been great at that before I had children. I know. I really, I had those skills. And I have less of those skills now. And you do have to pay attention. So it's not like one of those, like, those shows you can put on and do stuff in the house. Yeah, like my baking shows. Yeah, or HGTV, anything on Girl, the Girl, anything HGTV. You know, so should we get started, darling? Yeah, let's get started. Okay, so this week, mine is my notorious woman. She's first. I'm first this week. Yeah, we had to establish that mm-hmm. offline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, neither <laughs> one of us can remember. Uh, and excuse me, because I, I was a clumsy like a week and a half ago and I cut part of my mouth. So if I sound funny. Yeah, she comes with this bandage on her mouth and I'm like, yeah, OK, what? How, how's the other guy look? My God. You know, but have you ever fallen up the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> well, that I have, actually. It was an accident <laughs> like that where you're just like, OK, I don't. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. I don't have any eyebrows. I, I have was, very thin eyebrows and I was trying to clip them and I don't know why I was trying to clip them. I yeah. should just go to the threading place. Mm. Anyway, so. So from now on, go to the threading place. So if I sound funny, I apologize. But this week. So you know how we are going into an election year? Yeah, I know. And we're trying to avoid stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, fine. it's fine. I'm not worried about anything. It's fine. Because I'm a very calm person. <laughs> And I have a very positive attitude. Go on. I mean, we're not really political on the show, even no. though you probably know how we feel Might about have that. Yeah, take a gander. Um, so I, so I wanted to cover someone because we're getting into an election year. So someone that's connected to the election. Okay. So my notorious woman this week is Elizabeth Warren. Okay. Okay, well, when I tell you mine, I'll, it's not Elizabeth Warren. Oh, okay. Not even close, but And awesome. I was afraid you might be doing this. No, I, went, I went elsewhere to relate it back to okay. the world today. Go on. I almost did uh, Yovanovitch. I almost did her. Sal actually was like, do her. Yeah, And I researched one. her and I started, but I was like, yeah. I, I decided not to. I'm not sure why. Yeah, I decided to focus sort of on... Stay focused. Stay on the real I, topics. I think that's part of what it is. It's like let's yeah. let's keep going. Yeah. And, so, but she's she's amazing. Let's yeah. Just, oh yeah. In, I mean, in researching her, she is an incredible human. And fun fact: um, I wanted to be a diplomat. 
in high school. I think you'd be a good one. Yeah, because I want to help people. So, um, yeah. So Elizabeth Warren was born Elizabeth Herring in Oklahoma City on June 22nd, 1949 to Pauline Reed and Donald Jones Herring. Now, she was raised in a Methodist household. Um, Now, Methodist is a Protestant form of Christianity. And I was raised a Southern Baptist. And the only thing I feel like is that the only difference is that Methodists don't have loud services and they don't (laughs) baptize you in the water. Right. I think they sprinkle you. I actually know this. I used to have conversations with friends and like, oh, you just get a little sprinkles. Yeah. But we all have cake. Yeah. After services. Yes. So. Yes. But whereas the, the Baptists and also this is why like religious sex or can be just problematic in every religion, because apparently, according to my grandmother, Methodists didn't marry Baptists and Baptists didn't uh, marry Be- no. Methodists Let me tell in the you, South. I've told you this before, I think. So when I married a Catholic, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I had to go to interfaith pre-Cana. Oh. Yeah. So pre-Cana is the thing you do before you get married and you're Catholic. Okay. Cool, cool. Fine. <laughs> cool, There's cool. the interfaith one. It's <laughs> two hours. Fine. Because the other one's like six months and weekly. So I'll do two hours. That's okay. fine. And I was like, it's going to be me and a bunch of Jews marrying a bunch of Catholics. Nope. Nope. I was the only Jew. Really? And all these like Methodists. Oh, yeah. And like Lutherans. Yep. Episcopalians pushing it by marrying the catholic and i'm like y'all oh yeah protestants are very suspicious of the catholics yeah i was like (laughs) you guys like all like jesus right right so like my people we don't even like jesus you know like (laughs) and they were like what you know and it was very i was like wow okay we really like to differentiate ourselves from other people don't we i i didn't yeah exactly but you know it's all protestant form of christianity which is Protestantism, and then there's Catholicism. But they're all Christianity. Right. Okay. So from a Jewish standpoint, yeah. y'all like Jesus and we don't. Right. But that's fine. We're good with that. And it's just different. And then let's not even get into the sanctified. And yeah, let's not even Who? get into that. I don't even know this. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a new one? Yeah, that's a whole nother form oh. of kind of. Okay. So. How so. else can we separate ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> but they were uh, Methodist, and she had three older brothers. And so she's the only girl. Oh, um, and now she described her family as teetering on, quote, on the ragged edge of the middle class and a kind of hanging on at the edges by our fingernails, end quote. Okay. So they were like working class, basically. Right, yeah. Um, so when she was an infant, the family moved to Norman, Oklahoma, but moved back to Oklahoma City when she was 11. Okay. When she was 12, her father, uh, who was a salesman at Montgomery Ward. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. He had a heart attack. which led to many medical bills as well as a pay cut because he could not do his previous work. Oh, so all that socialism we have now where you don't starve your children anymore because you had a health problem. Yeah. um, Saves people. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to be clear. So that happened when she was 12. That's a very, you know, that is so fucked up. That's very, it reminds me it's like Dickens time. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. like the workhouse, mm-hmm. which was a step up from die on the street. Yeah. You know, like that. We need to learn from those stories. It's very Dickensian. Yeah, yeah, you're so right about that. Um, <clears throat> and so she she's 12. She's old enough to know what's going on. Right. And to feel the difference, obviously, in pay cut in mm-hmm. the house. Yeah. Um, so after leaving his sales job, so he finally left because he just wasn't making enough. 
He worked as a maintenance man for an apartment building. Eventually, the family's car was repossessed because they failed mm-hmm. to make loan payments. So to help the family finances, her mother found work in the catalog order department at Sears. Okay. Now, when she was 13, she started waiting tables at her aunt's restaurant. That's insane. So everybody's working to contribute to the household. Um, Now, she was always a bright child, and she excelled at academics, and she even became a star member of the debate team at Northwest Classen High School, and she won the state high school uh, debating championship. So when she was, she was good at debating, which she was so good at debating that she actually won a debate scholarship Wow! to George Washington University at the age of 16. That's incredible. Yeah. So now she initially aspired to be a teacher, but left George Washington University after two years in 1968 to marry. Oh, really? To marry Jim Warren, whom she met in high school. What? This is what women did back then, 1968. That's what women did. Yeah, Yeah, they did. Um, But her husband, so her husband soon moved to Houston where he got a job. So he got a job at IBM. So the family moved. She moved there with her husband to Houston. And when they moved to Houston, she enrolled in the University of Houston and graduated in 1970. I'm very glad he was the kind of man that said, oh, yeah, I'll just fund your education But marry me. But also that, you know, she could have just settled into married life. And, you know, because IBM, that's a good job, as they they say, you know, especially back then. Oh, yeah. That's like working for Google. You know, it really was. At that time. Yeah. IBM. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So she she managed to go back and get her BS in speech pathology and audiology. Now, that same year, she taught children with disabilities for a year in a public school. Oh, wow. So that's a tough job. Yeah. And it's in a new city, Houston. Uh, Now, in 1971, she and her husband moved to New Jersey when he received a job transfer. And shortly after, they had their first child, Amelia. After the birth of their daughter, um, Elizabeth decided to stay home and care for her full time. Because she's probably making a good salary. Sure. And and um, who else is going to watch your baby? Exactly. Because she's away from her mom. Yeah. Uh, Now, two years later, when Amelia turned two, she enrolled, Elizabeth enrolled in Rutgers Law School. I can imagine she was bored yeah. at home talk, trying to talk to a baby. All day. Yeah. Um, shortly before Having graduating. myself. Yeah, and she's isolated. Her family's mm-hmm. not around. No, so. it's, hard, it's harder. But I still admire for her to be like, I'm going to get my education. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know? That's, that's, that, that is very much that's, more outside of the box. Back then. Back then than it is In now. the early 70s yeah. for a housewife. So uh, who... Presumably, her husband is providing well for the family. Yeah, it's not like she has to. Yeah, to 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 survive, right? And school is considered a luxury for women, mm-hmm. even especially beyond uh, undergrad. Yeah. So she went to Rutgers, um, and shortly before graduating in 1976, she became pregnant with their second child, Alexander. But she still managed to receive her JD and pass the bar. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm already tired listening. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I need a nap. Yep. Go on. Yep. Um, so she now she passed the bar, but she decided to offer legal services from home, writing wills and doing real real estate closings instead of pursuing the traditional path of a newly minted lawyer. That's actually a good idea. Yeah. Because she has two kids. Yep. But she also, in her spare time, 
became a lecturer at Rutgers University. No, that's not true. That's impossible because I've had two tiny children and I would not have been able to do that. Yep. Okay. Now, maybe this was for personal reasons because in 1978, she and Jim divorced. Okay. So we don't know it's because... Like you were saying earlier, he's the type of guy that's like... She was a child when she... I mean, she was 18. Yeah. Who knows? Very young. Uh, But two years later, she married law professor Bruce H. Mann in July of 1980, but kept her first husband's surname. Interesting. So that's why she still has uh, Warren. That's interesting. Now, today, she has three grandchildren through her daughter, Amelia. So she's a grandma. Uh, Also in 1978, after her divorce, she moved to the University of Houston Law Center and worked there from 78 to 83, where she became an associate dean in 1980 and obtained tenure in 1981. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. 1981. This is a woman. Yeah. Um, Now, she taught briefly at the University of Texas Law School um, as a visiting associate professor in 81 and returned back to um, Houston law school as a full-time professor two years later. Um, She was research associate at at the Population Research Center of University of Texas at Austin from 83 to 87. I guess lawyers have multiple jobs, Um, especially teachers, because this sounds like a lot of working. I feel like that's a lot of jobs. It's a lot of jobs. And she's married to a man who can support her, but she has just a lot to do. Just, yeah. now really impressive yeah so during this period she's doing all this she was she was teaching and researching issues related to bankruptcy and middle class personal finance while still finding time to teach sunday school you know it's interesting i was listening to the have you you know the making obama podcast the making oh, i've heard of it i haven't listened to okay, it okay so yeah. there's now a making beyonce podcast <laughs> and i'm like well you've listened to oprah and obama just like listen to me just stop fighting it Obviously, yeah. you're going to, so just do it. It talks about passion and how Beyonce was always very passionate. And her family could tell, her parents could tell, because kids who don't, you have to remind them to practice, you have to right. remind them. But she didn't need reminding because she just had this passion. Well, Elizabeth Warren, at, at this age, I'm not talking about, but it seems to me that what she was doing, that's passion. Yeah. That's love of yeah. what it is she's learning and love of what it is she's doing. That seems to be a driving force for her. Yeah. Which is. And I think uh, for our, our listeners out there, this is, you know, for us young, relatively young women, but for young women today, being a nerd is accepted and, mm-hmm. and actually encouraged. Back then, a woman only went to college, really. For her MRS degree. I think we talked about Yes. It. To find a husband. And there was also this idea that has been since, I think, sexualized in 1980s music videos, <laughs> that smart, smart women were not sexy. Right. Or maybe they were if they took their glasses, glasses off, off and flipped their ponytails away. That was also in the 90s. Also in the 90s. Let's not forget the 90s. But <laughs> but it is true that in yeah. general, the, the women who were very, very smart yeah. were lumped in a corner that had nothing to do with their appeal Right. Uh, physically, which yeah. is something that every woman kind of wants. A yeah. Little, oh, yeah. Every like woman wants to be considered attractive. Attractive, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that's... It's that's, interesting, that's though. Important. So um, so she's doing all this and teaching Sunday school. Now, her earliest academic work was... So this is about her academic work as a, a dean and a professor and all this other stuff, was heavily influenced by the law 
and economics movement, which aimed to apply neoclassical economic theory to the study of law with an emphasis on economic efficiency. One of her articles published in 1980 in the the Notre Dame Law Review argued that public utilities were overregulated and that automatic utility rate increases should be instituted. But she soon became a proponent of on-the-ground research into how people responded to laws. So it's not just like making these laws in oh, theory, yeah. but how on the ground people are responding to these She's laws. Right. What's the what's the effect of these laws? Her work analyzing court records and interviewing judges, lawyers, and debt and debtors established her as a rising star in the field of bankruptcy law. According to her and economics uh, and economists who follow her work, one of her key insights was that rising bankruptcy rates was caused not by consumer spending, but by middle class families attempts to buy homes and good school districts. Oh, so people were going into debt and maybe buying homes that they couldn't necessarily afford Uh because those homes were in better school districts. I can relate to these things. Everybody can. I don't even have any kids, but you're like, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, (laughs) She worked in this field alongside colleagues, Teresa A. Sullivan and Jay Westbrook. And the, the trio published their research in the book, as we forgive our debtors in 1989. Okay. She later recalled that she had begun her research, believing that most people filing for bankruptcy were either working the system or had been irresponsible in incurring debts but that she concluded that such abuse was in fact rare and that the legal framework for bankruptcy was poorly designed. Oh. So. Okay. So she actually wants to know what's really happening. And she also, like uh, Grissom from CSI says, Mm. follow the evidence and let it tell you what what it is instead of trying to. Lovetta, you are well educated in this. (laughs) That's my boy, Grissom. Let's see that. Love CSI. Uh, Now, in 1987, Elizabeth joined the University of Pennsylvania Law School. She, she. Fancy. As a full professor and obtained an endowed chair in 1990, becoming the William A. Schneider, Schneider, Professor (laughs) of Commercial Law. In 1992, she taught for a year at Harvard Law School, as Robert Brocker's visiting professor of commercial law. In 95, she left Penn to become Leo Godlib professor of law at Harvard Law School. Wow. In 1996, she became the highest paid professor at Harvard University who was not a dean with a salary of $181,300 and total compensation a compensation of $291,876. Wow, that's I love good, how it's, that's a good insurance plan. Yeah. As of 2011, she was Harvard's only tenured law professor who had attended law school at an American public university. Oh, really? While at Harvard, she was a highly influential law professor. She published in many fields, but her expertise was in bankruptcy and commercial law. In fact, from 2005 to 2009, she was among the three most cited scholars in those fields. Really? Yeah. In 1995, so back to 95, the National Bankruptcy Review Commission's chair, former Congressman Mike Sinar, asked her to advise the commission. Uh, Sinar had been a a debate opponent of hers during their school years (laughs) back in the day. Oh, my God. (laughs) She helped draft the commission's report and worked for several years to oppose legislation intended to severely restrict consumers' right to file bankruptcy. Unfortunately, she and others opposing the legislation were not successful. As in 2005, Congress passed the Bankruptcy Abuse Prevention and Consumer Protection Act of 2005, which curtailed consumers' ability to file for bankruptcy. Oh. 
From 2006 to 2010, she was a member of the FDIC Advisory Committee on Economic Inclusion. Okay. So her whole okay. thing is like, she's advocating for the consumer, yes. saying that on the ground, what you, you you guys can look at these studies, but on the ground, it's it's not it's not designed to help the consumer. It's designed to hurt them. Yeah, and so, it is. It is so. Now, in 2008, U.S. Senator, uh, Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid appointed her to, to chair the five-member congressional oversight panel created to oversee the implementation of the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act. So we're in the crash. We're in the Great Recession of 2008. Yeah. The panel released monthly oversight reports evaluating the government bailout and related programs. This is what she does. Yeah. During her tenure, these reports covered foreclosure mitigation, consumer and small business lending, commercial real estate, AIG, bank stress tests, the impact of the troubled asset uh, relief program, a- a.k.a. TARP, mm-hmm. on the financial markets, government guarantees, the automotive industry and other topics. So she was in the trenches of figuring out, like, we're doing this TARP program, but what's the status on everything? Right. Like How's wh- it helping? Why are we doing? Is it working? Yeah. Does this make sense? It's like a status report. Let's just not put a Band-Aid on it and say yeah. it's fine and walk away. Exactly. Now, she was an early advocate for creating a new Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. The bureau was established by the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act signed into law by Obama in July 2010. Thank you, Obama. And in September 2010, Obama named her assistant to the president and special advisory to the Secretary of Treasury on the CFPB to set up the new agency. Uh, Her scholarship and public advocacy was Mm -hmm. the impetus for establishing the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau in 2011. Now, some people wanted him to appoint her as a Treasury advisor, but a lot of his people around him said that she wouldn't be able to be confirmed. Because, because of her, because big business opposed her. That makes sense. Big yeah. business should oppose her. She's fighting for people. Now, now remember Humans, when she said, yeah. The ones that make up your family and my and family mine. and all the families. Yeah. Anyways, I don't have an opinion. I'm a neutral <laughs> party. I'm just here to listen. So now remember when I said earlier, when she first did her research, she thought that um, people were filing for bankruptcy because they were being irresponsible. They were, and then when she, that is how the, that is, that is what society thinks. Right. Oh man. Well, that's what fiscally conservative people tend to think, right? That people are poor because they don't manage their money. They made poor life choices as opposed to being in a situation that went out of their control because of the society that is set up that we that we were born into. Right. So now on the political side, so this is a side note a little bit, backstory. Friends and colleagues of hers from high school, from her high school days uh, to the early part of her academic career in the 1980s have characterized her as a diehard conservative. Really? With a belief in laissez-faire economics and surprisingly anti-consumer views. Gary L. Francione, who had been a colleague of hers at the University of Pennsylvania, recalled, he, he said in, night, in this year, in 2019, that yeah. when he heard her speak at the time she was becoming politically prominent, he, quote, almost fell off his chair. She's definitely <laughs> changed, end quote. Interesting. She but was, you know what? She did so much research. See, that's the thing. She changed her mind we when the evidence showed about up. about that yeah. all the time. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to change your mind. Yeah. And I will vote for one version of you, but not another. Right, right, right. I mean. Right. People change too. Yeah. So um, she's, uh, so, and then, um, 
Now, she was a registered uh, Republican from 91 to 96. She voted Republican for many years, and she even said once, quote, I was a Republican because I thought that those were the people who best supported markets, end quote. Cute. I thought that those were the people, oh, she goes that on to is say. How, that is how we're like. Yeah. That's that's what the rumor is. But she right. also has said that in the six presidential elections before 96, she voted for the Republican nominee only once. In 76 for Gerald Ford. Okay. She began to vote Democratic in 95 because she no longer believed that the Republicans were the party who best supported markets. But she has said she has voted for both parties because she believed that neither should dominate. Now, according to her, she left the Republican Party because it is no longer, quote, principled in its conservative approach to economics and to the markets. It's not. It's and, not. And Sorry. Is, <laughs> Again, neutral party here. Just here to listen to your words. And is instead tilting the playing field in favor of large financial institutions and against middle class American families. Do you think? End quote. Because I do too. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I'll get a handle on my feelings. Yeah. But, but think about it when you're growing just, up. Yeah. Remember when I said that when I was growing up, I was totally uh, a sellout. I was a budding sellout yeah. because if you believe what they teach young people, you know, if you work hard, play by the rules, things mm-hmm. will work out for you. And that's just not true. It's not. It's not true. And it's not until you get out in the real world and you see how things are stacked against certain people, against poor people, mm-hmm. against working class people, no matter what their color Um, and even when you have a little savings, one illness can devastate you. Can totally devastate you. And, you know, most of us don't have, you know, $500,000 in our, um, 401ks or like, you know what I mean? Like, and even with that amount of money, if somebody gets a cancer diagnosis, and their insurance doesn't cover the And treatment. their insurance doesn't cover. It's literally Breaking Bad. It's what Breaking Bad exactly. is. Exactly. He had a very good job. Yeah. Um, he supported his family. His wife also worked. Yep. They had one child yep. living in a very affordable area. Yep. Modest. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to live, you needed to give, well, I don't remember what it was, but it was like $90,000. Yeah. Like. And he's like, how much does insurance cover? So then, you, so yeah, you're, like, you're in a, yeah. So one, so. But when you are young and idealistic and you believe, oh, I work hard, I play by the rules. So those people are that way because they don't. And we all need help sometimes. Yeah. Everybody needs help. Whether that's socially, financially, like we all need to look after one another in society, Mm -hmm. right? And that's that's one of the beautiful things about humanity. Yeah. And honestly, the the way that the world is pushing now, it's two things. It's supporting the very, very rich. Yeah. It's pulling them up their bootstraps and it is then giving the rest of us laissez-faire. Yeah. Right. And right. that's, that's really what they are standing for. Yeah. So they're they're sh- And, and they hear that some people have it less easier than others. Any yeah. sort of minority. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. And they actively say they don't care. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's what we're hearing. No. That's what we're hearing. To excuse and excuse and Levetta, if you're like Miriam, you're being racist right now. I'm yeah. not going to be like, shut up. I'm not. Yeah. Right. I'd be like, whoa, what did I say? I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I've said things 
not specifically, but I've said things like that that I didn't understand. Yeah, we all we all have these moments. I've had moments with friends. They said, like, technically, if out of context, if you ever heard what they said to me, like, it's not great. But it's fine. They're asking a question, and then they learn from it, and that's fine. But to say, nope, none of that matters. I'm not here to listen to hear you, is what I'm getting at any rate. I mean, and also, I would say that. That would be wonderful if it were true that if you just work hard, you could be successful or reasonably I'm, comfortable. I'm all in in that society. And I think most people... Make me that society and I will right, work and I, really hard and get lots of things. Yeah, and she'll get into this in a little bit, but I, I, we all want that to be true because that's the American dream, right? It's Yeah. It's yeah. Americans. And one thing I love about being an American is that you know, like I have friends from the Caribbean or who are former British colonies. Oh, okay. The yeah. British are really into caste systems, yes. class systems. Mm-hmm. So if your father was a bum, you're, you're considered a bum. A bum. Right. And in America, it don't work like that, which is what I love about America. Because America's like, nobody cares about what your, your dad mm-hmm. and your mama did. It's like, what are you going to do? And that goes for rich people or poor people. Yeah. And so we... Well, we have it a little. Oh, I no, think. we definitely have it. Like, but... <laughs> But I know people who will hide the fact that they come from money. Oh, I do too. Because do too. they're like, yeah. Because people, because they, they get ridiculed, right? Yeah, like, Whereas I feel like in former British colonies in the UK, I mean, not recently, because uh, things have changed in society and a lot. But if you don't have money, you're ashamed of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I know people who come from a lot of money. And you're like, what the hell do you, what you would like to? To, to Switzerland on what? what? And ha, ha, Your family has a, a oh, chalet. Own, or chalet. It's chalet, actually. Oh, excuse me. Mm. The chalet. It's called private plane. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh. But they'll hide that yeah. because they know in America, we're like, oh, really? Your mommy and daddy? Mm. Your mommy and daddy's That plane. must be nice. Mm, how mm. cute. And so because, and there's this, what some rich kids, a lot of rich kids, there's this need to prove themselves. Yeah their own ability, yeah. right? And to acknowledge that because of mommy and daddy gave me a $2 million loan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just a little $2 million loan. Yeah. And then I made my way through bankruptcy I mean, we definitely, after bankruptcy. But whatever, I'm amazing. I mean, we definitely have the whole blue bloods kind of thing here. But for the most part, the most of American society kind of look down on inherited we wealth. But because, because honestly, as time goes on, and our population changes and changes and changes, yeah. it's less prominent. Yeah. Now, they still have all the money. Yeah. They still have the majority of money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And therefore power, but... But they hide it. They do hide it. They don't, like, lord it over people. And you know, it's so funny because someone like... In America, we take pride in that someone like Elizabeth could come from... Yeah, we You do. know, working class like, and middle class. America, man. Yeah, and then going to be a law professor. We're like, that is America. Yeah, we take... Yeah. You know, and so <laughs> what she's saying is that that is America. That is the promise of America, and we should create a society where that is possible. Where that is possible. So yeah. Um. So I'll go on a little bit. So uh, I'm about. I'm almost done. Not too too much. Um. Now in September 14 on September 14, 2011, she declared her intention to run for the Democratic nomination for the 2012 election in Massachusetts for senator. 
Uh, Republican Scott Brown had won the seat in 2010 in a special election after Ted Kennedy's death. Yeah. A week later, a video of Warren speaking in Andover went viral on the Internet. In it, she responds to the charge that asking the rich to pay more taxes is class warfare by pointing out. So someone accused her of class warfare. Cute, cute. And she pointed out that no one grew rich in the U.S. without depending on infrastructure paid by the rest of society. Boom. Bam. Yes. That's a fact. That's a fact. And she, in that speech, she quoted, she said, there is nobody in this country who got rich on his own. Nobody. You moved your goods to market on the roads the rest of us paid for. Mm -hmm. You hired workers the rest of us paid to educate. You were safe in your factory because of police forces and fire forces that the rest of us paid for. Yep. You didn't have to worry that marauding bands would come and seize everything at your factory and hire someone to protect against this because of the work the rest of us did. Now look, you built a factory and it turned into something terrific or great idea. God bless you. Keep a big hunk of it. But part of the underlying social contract is you take a hunk of that and pay forward to the next kid who comes along. End quote. Yes. I'm yelling. I'm so sorry. But yes. That is what America is supposed to be. Look, that's the America I want to live in. I joke about it all the time. Look, I will pay for you to go to the doctor. I'm happy to do that. I want you to be healthy and you come to my house. Yes. You're healthy. I'm healthy. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 you go to the same grocery store I go to. You're healthy. I'm not going to catch your germs. Yep. I'm happy to pay (laughs) for you to go to the doctor for the selfishest of reasons. You know, you can be a dick about this and still do the right thing. Now, like, I love you and I want you to be healthy for your sake. But if I didn't and I was an asshole, I'd still want you to be healthy. If you have Ebola. Right. I want you to be able to go and take care of that. Go away (laughs) and pay for you to not be here now so that I don't also get Ebola. Thank you very much. Ebola. You know, (laughs) it's so... But, you know, that is the America that is promised to us mm-hmm. in the Constitution and the Declaration yeah, of Independence, it is. right? It is. And we have very specific laws about that. I love it when people are like, I made this, the pores are pores. And it's like, no, you need a mm. safety net to catch people. I love yeah. the whole idea that we pay taxes for public schools to educate workers. So yeah. they have basic understanding of mathematics. I mean, right? You know? Uh, Now, President Obama must have agreed somewhat and later echoed her sentiments in a 2012 election campaign speech. So now for her Senate run, she was unopposed for the Democratic nomination. And so she sent the nomination. After that, in the run up to the election, she encountered significant opposition from business interests. Oh, yeah. In 2012, the political director for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce claimed that, quote, no other candidate in 2012 represents a greater threat to free enterprise than Professor Warren, end quote. Oh, my God. So dramatic. No, Men no, are so dramatic. It is a threat to your billions. Yeah. Not a threat to her millions. Right. Right. A threat to your billions. Right. You can fuck off. Yeah. That is. And we don't begrudge humble, people millions. Humble opinion. Yeah. No, we if, begrudge you millions if you don't pay no taxes on yeah, them. Yeah, you better pay taxes, bitch. <laughs> oh, and I was going to say when you were talking about that uh, from that speech, you know who else believes that? Who? The white countries, a.k.a. Scandinavia. <laughs> I was like, who are the white countries? The South. That's what our president the would say. The awkward part of the South. Um, 
the the blonde the countries. You and I cannot drive. Through. I know. Okay. The blonde countries. The blonde they have countries. high taxes, and whenever you talk but to I a Scandinavian, we like those people the best. They're pure. They what? say. What did I say? They're pure. Mm. It's the driven snow. Mm-hmm. That's the ideal. But that's what they say. Yeah. Our taxes are high, but we have clean roads. Yeah, they're we have happy. Good schools. They're happy as fuck. We have free college <laughs> for yeah. undergrads, and they'll even pay you to go to a graduate school if you apply to certain things. Because they're like, because we want to have master's workers. degrees and PhDs and in our those country. Countries are doing just fine. Yeah, the so. idea that we wouldn't thrive is crazy. But there's this link to the word socialism and a lack of freedom, and that's what's crazy yeah. to me because capitalism does not mean freedom. At all. Mm-mm. Your freedom doesn't come from capitalism. It comes from the laws that that are diff. They're separate. That's a separate thing. Yeah. They are two different things. Capitalism is just the way our country works monetarily. But you right? know what? What would help? If we would teach this in public schools. In the public schools that you and I, I pay, pay for. for. So... Uh, so like, and so she's in her Senate run in 2012. She had no trouble raising money, even though the, the business uh, community was like, I don't know about her. The New York Times said that, quote, that it was possible to. So she she raised a lot of money. And the yeah. New York Times said that that showed, quote, that it was possible to run against the big banks without Wall Street money and still win, end quote. Nice. So she won. Um, she she won <laughs> against Scott um, and. She said, now, according to her, she said, quote, people feel like the system is rigged against them. And here's the painful part. They're right. The system is rigged. She told Wall Street CEOs. She said about Wall Street CEOs that, quote, they wrecked our economy and destroyed millions of jobs and that they, quote, still strut around Congress, no shame, demanding favors and acting like we should thank them, end quote. Wow. So it, it's so interesting because she probably started out being like wanting to be that and admiring right. those people. And then she's like, these fuckers have no shame. Mm-hmm. So because the world doesn't work the way she thought it did. Right. Now, uh, she won uh, against Scott Brown in Massachusetts. And she um, she actually that year, uh, 20 female senators were elected to office, the largest female U.S. Senate delegation in history at the time, <laughs> following the November 12, uh, 2012 elections. Now, in December of 2012, she was assigned a seat on the U.S. Banking Committee, which oversees the implementation of the Dodd-Frank and other mm-hmm, regulations. That's a good thing. Um, now, at her first banking committee hearing in February 2013, she pressed several banking regulators to say when they had last taken a Wall Street bank to trial and said, quote, I'm really concerned that too big to fail has become too big for trial. Ah, yes. Um, oh, my papers. Papers. Um, complicated. And videos of her questioning uh, these people, uh, it went viral. Now, at the March Banking Committee hearing, she asked Treasury Department officials why criminal charges were not brought against HSBC for its money laundering practices. (laughs) She compared money laundering to drug possession, saying, quote, if you're caught with an ounce of cocaine, the chances are you're going to you're going to go to jail. But evidently, if you launder nearly a billion dollars for drug cartels and violate our international sanctions, your company pays a fine and you go home and sleep in your bed at night. End quote. I love her. Yeah. So um, now she also talked about student loans fairness. Yes. So um, 
she was saying that she thinks students should get the same great deal that banks get. Yeah. And so she introduced the Student Loans Fairness Act, which allows students to take out government education loans at the same rate that banks pay to borrow from the federal government, 0.75%. Independent Senator um, Bernie Sanders endorsed mm. her bill saying, quote, the only thing wrong with this bill is that I didn't is that I thought it is that I did not think of it. I can see Bernie saying that. Another highlight from her first term was in 2020. Um, no, 2016, <laughs> September 20th, 2016 hearing when she called on Wells Fargo CEO John Stumpf to resign, adding that he should be criminally investigated over Wells Fargo's. Remember this? They were opening two, they opened two million checking and credit card accounts without the customer's consent. I remember that. Yes, because the, the, have you heard the commercials for Wells Fargo now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We made some errors. Yeah. We have beautiful music playing right now. (laughs) So it's calming. Yes. It's relaxing. (laughs) Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. Calming. We won't steal from you anymore. We've decided not to steal from you. Yeah. So give us your money. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. Love you. So she's going after these guys. Now, one of her favorite uh, um, meetings uh, for this committee and one of her favorite like public beatings of these these fools was against Senator Jeff Sessions nomination for U.S. Attorney General. In February 2017, she quoted a letter from Coretta Scott King, one Uh of our previous notorious women, that uh, Coretta Scott King had written to Senator Strom Thurmond in 1986 when Sessions was nominated for federal judgeship. King wrote, quote, Mrs. Sessions has used the awesome power of his office to chill the free exercise of the vote by black citizens in the district he now seeks to serve as a federal judge. This simply cannot be allowed to happen, end quote. Yeah, but it was allowed. It was allowed. And it turns out Sessions had more... Integrity. Integrity (laughs) than most of the dickwads. I mean government officials or Jeff Sessions like mm, you that sounds like a bad idea yeah <laughs> I'm but not he, he's it. not not racist or anything <laughs> but it's like at least he had like some sort of yeah he knew well he knew that Trump was trying to jam him up he's like you're not gonna be jamming me up yeah but he's still singing his praises because now you know he's running for office again or something I don't know that and, and you know fucking what? racist Keebler elf oh god he's awful he's awful so um, but I, he still I, has I, more integrity <laughs> I knew someone who was like, Jeff Sessions is fine. What's wrong with him? And because I was so upset about it, I researched him and I I might still have it and I'd probably finally get rid of it. But I wrote a little baby essay Mm -hmm. just marking down the things he did. And then I read her the essay so that I wouldn't be like angry. What did she say? Okay, well, I'll... I'll look it up to to I'll to I'll verify. Do, to verify. Um, part of me is like, why would I lie? I'm very well educated and know yeah. how to research people. Um, <laughs> I know how to use Google. Yeah, it's not that hard. It's actually much easier now than it was when I was in college. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was like, oh well, but you know, nobody's gonna, nobody want. Yeah, their public record is out there. You can look all this yeah, stuff it up. Was, it wasn't hard to find. No, it not at all. This isn't an opinion piece. That's all. You can even find old video of them saying racist fucking yeah, shit. Yeah, like, so like, you can tell me all you want to right now that they don't believe that anymore, but I don't have any evidence that they don't believe but that. But Miriam, we live in a world where people are insisting that the world is flat. 
I mean, they really are. I know. I can't. I can't. I, I mean, can't with these and people. I don't. I don't know what personality disorder is happening. I, what? What make? What? Why? Why do you want to? In, like, why would? Why would I lie about this? Why do I want to be sad? I am not a like. Honestly, you like you tear me down. Like yeah. you break me into my my core. I'm not a political person. Right. No, like, most of us aren't. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't really give a shit. I would yeah. never have run for anything. Yeah. I would never support a because I just don't care. I care. I want to sing and dance. You know, like this is that's like, where I want my, to be a star. I want Broadway. To feel all the feelings to be or not to be. That is the question. <laughs> you know, like that's where I, my heart lies. But when I hear and see things that are a fact yeah. and are hurting our world, I can't not see it. A lot of this and is that's willful. All that is. A lot of this is willful ignorance. Because yeah. again, Google is your friend. It's right there. It's right there on and your you phone. Can, and you look, we research people all the time. If that's not working for you, you can dig down. Yep. There are so many ways of finding things yep. and double checking verif- and verifying. That's right. Um, it's it's actually not even that hard anymore. People just so don't like want to. why why support the wrong one when there are great right ones yeah. to support? I don't understand. I agree with you. You preach it to the choir here. So. I am, but thanks for listening. But I, I admire her because, like you said, she changed her mind. And that's okay. Yeah. Change your mind. So now at a town hall meeting in Holyoke, Massachusetts on September 29th, 2018, last yeah. year, Elizabeth Warren said that she would, quote, take a hard look at running for president in 2020 after the 2018 uh, U.S. elections concluded. Now, on so on December 31st, 2018, she announced that she was for, she was forming an exploratory committee to run for president. Okay. And on February 9th, 2019, earlier this year, she yeah. officially announced her candidacy at a rally in Lawrence, Massachusetts, at the site of the 1912 Bread and Roses strike. I, now, I know that strike. She Oh, that's right. It's... It's from ragtime. I have just returned from Lawrence, Massachusetts, where eight weeks ago the workers there went on strike. I won't continue, but I really want to. Go on. You are so funny. (laughs) Now, she staged her um, first campaign event in Lawrence, a former industrial mill town famous for that strike, to demonstrate the the, uh, oh, what did I... What? You can't read it? I know. I think uh, the constituency groups, she... constituency constituency groups Mm -hmm. constitutional groups constituency i got you girl (laughs) constituency groups she hopes to appeal to including working families working class families union members women and new immigrants now at the same rally she said quote it won't be enough to just undo the terrible acts of this administration we can't afford to just tinker around the edges a tax credit here a regulation there our fight is for big structural change. Yes. This is the fight of our lives. The fight to build an America where dreams are possible. An America that works for everyone, end quote. A longtime critic of uh, Trump at her opening rally, she called him a symptom of a larger problem mm-hmm. in a rigged system that props up the rich and powerful and kicks dirt on everyone else, end quote. Yeah. Now, in early June 2019, so earlier this year, she placed second in some polls with Joe Biden in first place and Bernie Sanders in third and has continued to poll in the top two spots in a variety of polls everywhere. So she's either one or two nowadays. So it's awesome. these three. Um, she and Bernie Sanders are the only leading 2020 candidates who are running their campaigns entirely on grassroots cash. Wow. The Los Angeles Times reported that of the front runners in the presidential race, only Sanders and Warren have previously won an election with almost exclusively small online contributions. 
and that no presidential primary in recent history has had two of the top three candidates refuse to use bundlers or hold private fundraisers with wealthy donors. Hey. And in October 2019, she announced that her. I need to donate some money to yeah, some people. Just $2 here, $5 yeah. there, $10. I got $2. Um, she announced. So last month in October, she announced that her campaign would not accept contributions of more than $200 from executives at banks. Wow. Large tech companies private equity firms or hedge funds in addition to her previous refusal to accept donations of over $200, $200 from fossil fuel or pharmaceutical executives. What? But it hasn't hurt her because the third in the third That's quarter of amazing. this year, her campaign raised $24.6 million, just less than the $25.3 million Sanders campaign raised, and well, but well ahead of Joe Biden, the front runner in the polls. Wow. Since announcing her candidacy for the 2020 election, she has released several policy proposals, including more than 45 plans for topics including health care, universal child care, ending the opioid crisis, clean energy, climate change, foreign policy, reducing corporate influence at the Pentagon and ending, quote, Wall Street stranglehold on the American economy. So just a quick rundown of like her platform. Okay. This is very, very brief. So. Quote, uh, she believes in assisting uh, family farms by addressing the advantages held by large agricultural conglomerates. Okay, good. She plans to reduce student loan debt and offer free uh, tuition at public colleges. Okay, good. Uh, She has a plan to make large corporations pay more in taxes and better regulate large technological companies. And quote, plans yes, to please address do that because there's a lot of bullshit happening. Yeah. And she plans to address the opioid ep- uh, addiction epidemic. She supports worker representation on corporations, board of directors. Break- yes. She uh, supports breaking up monopolies. Not the, just a, the, you know, the reality show where the boss shows oh, up um, as a worker. Undercover boss. How do we just like regulate some shit yeah and we don't have to have this dumbass show sorry i'm sure the show is great it's fine to show and be like, like oh that's how it works ooh, in the ooh, ooh, maybe you should have already known that okay sorry now um, i don't have opinions go on <laughs> she believes in breaking up monopolies mm-hmm. uh, she believes in stiffening sentences for white collar crimes yeah hi uh, she has a Medicare for all plan to provide health insurance for all americans and she plans on implementing a higher minimum wage she has called for the abolition of uh, ICE to pull the U.S. Yeah. involvement in Saudi Arabian-led intervention in Yemen in support of Yemen's government against the Houthis. She uh, believes in a coordinated plan formed with U.S. allies to withdraw troops from Syria and Afghanistan, but slowly in a slowly coordinated in a coordinated with our allies with our allies, so that we can maintain. The allies that we've already worked so hard and so many years yeah. to maintain for the safety of our citizens yeah. around the world. So mm-hmm. she also um, believed that after reading the Mueller report, she called on the House of uh, the House to begin impeachment proceedings against Trump, saying, quote, the Mueller report lays out facts showing that a hostile foreign government attacked our 2016 election to help Donald Trump and Donald Trump welcomed that help. Once elected, Donald Trump obstructed the investigation into that attack yeah he did end quote like, now if he didn't do it why would he try to obstruct it yeah, yeah i don't exactly. understand this isn't that hard because he's dumb um yeah. <laughs> now i can't talk about elizabeth warren without talking about the whole native american ancestry oh, yeah. fiasco so for our listeners who aren't privy to whatever this this whole native american thing 
uh, in the United States with Elizabeth Warren. So according to Elizabeth, her and her brothers, older family members, always told the story during her childhood that they had Native American ancestry. Okay. Now, as a black person in America, mm-hmm. every <laughs> black person is part Cherokee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's just, look it up. Uh, yes. We got Indian in our family. <laughs> if you got long hair, oh, you must have got Indian in you. Mm-hmm. Oh, you might be Creole or something. <laughs> or if you have, like, I have high cheekbones. Oh, my God. You you, you must have Indian in your family. Mm-hmm. I'm like, these cheekbones come from Africa. But whatever. Yeah, have you looked at Africa? I'm just like, I don't know. Also. <laughs> so I understand this. I know because you're a West Coast girl. I am. Um, But... We Americans love to be like, I'm part Native American. But yeah, it's a whole thing in high school when everyone's like looking at scholarships. We would, amongst ourselves, yeah. be like, you sure don't have any Native American in you? Yeah. And we said the word Indian. Right. Yeah, we were of course. Still assholes. Yeah. Although um, some Native Americans say it's okay to use the term Indian. You know what's interesting? So my kids are putting on this little like Thanksgiving play, mm-hmm. super, super cute. Right. But they are changing the wording of things. Yeah. Like, my kids are going to be like pilgrim. A pil- I'm going to have a little cute little pilgrim, a cute little corn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, corn. Oh, little corn nugget. Oh, going to be the cutest. Okay. But so you are either a pilgrim, a Wampanoag. Uh-huh. Corn, I think that's how you say it. Or a turkey. You know, like. I want to be but, turkey. But. They're not saying Indian. They're, okay. they're being, they're like, no, we're, yeah, going to we're this not track. really sure. And we're not really sure. We right. think that's that. And there's like a greater level of respect. But yeah. at the time, going back, we were like, are you sure you're not? Because then you could get money for college. Right. You know, that was, that was, we were assholes. No I doubt. also but think like, Americans just want to believe that we're part of the original people, yeah, all of there's, us. There's this like nice idea of like, being like, maybe I wasn't part of the problem. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that I have some of that in my blood. Mm-hmm. So, cause my grandmother swear that her, her mother was half Cherokee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, but you know, so she might look African. <laughs> I, no, she just like, I, I don't, I'm like, grandma, that's probably white blood. We native American. No, no, that, mm-hmm. that look, a little Irish, a little mm. English to me, a little Scottish. Look, we all have a douchebag somewhere in our oh, history. Yeah. Yeah. But so I understand this whole thing like Americans love to be like, we part Native American, right? So in 2012, she said that, quote, in a, in a speech of some sort, she said, quote, being a Native American has been part of my story, I guess, since the day I was born, end quote. Now, this is her family's lore that right. they're part Native American. So in 1984, she contributed recipes to a, a Native American cookbook and identified herself as Cherokee. At a July 2018 Montana rally, Trump, so because Trump was ridiculing her at his he rallies. Just likes to and ridicule he was people. calling her, what do you call her, Pocahontas and all this mm-hmm. stuff, which is derogatory and offensive on and so many levels. And what is his wife doing? Stopping bullying? Cookie Girl, I, don't even get me started. So. Uh, so Trump at one of his rallies promised that if he debated Warren, he would offer to pay one million dollars to her favorite charity if she could prove her Native American ancestry via a DNA test. So she took the test and she released the results of the DNA test on October 2000, in October of 2018, then asked Trump to donate the money to the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center. They could use a million dollars. Yeah. Trump responded by denying that he had made the challenge even though it's on tape, but that's a whole nother story. So now the DNA test found that her ancestry is mostly European, but quote, strongly supported the existence of an unadmixed Native American ancestor, likely in the range of six to 10 generations ago. Okay. 
during a January 2000. 2000- That's about what people think. Like they don't. Yeah, but I think when people talk about my mother is Cherokee, it's half Cherokee. Uh That's what I'm saying. And like, and it's like, no. And I did my, I've done my DNA. We got like one percent, which means I did probably have one Native American ancestor. See, one back in the day. So, Mm -hmm. um, now 1702. (laughs) (laughs) So now during, um, so she realized, oh, I made an error that this family lore is not true. That she has probably I mean, it's like a little true. She has just as much Native American blood as most Americans probably do. I actually do. have zero Native. Oh, American you do. You have zero. zero Jewish. Okay, you're like Jews did not do that because we didn't get here till like the 1900s. But Larry David has a large portion of Native American blood. So my Jewish people didn't <laughs> get here till like the 1900s. Yeah. I think it just depends um, on when your people came and if yeah. they encounter no, Native I mean, American. There were Jews that came here in the 1600s. Yeah. Larry David's Jews probably did. Or 1700s or, you yeah. Know. He was surprised because he's so, people associate him with being such a Jewish yeah. man, right? He was he's really like, surprised. I'm ethnic. Yeah. Um, now. Ethnic? I don't know. So she admitted, she was like, oh, my era. Again, she's a woman who's like, my bad. It's okay. She took the test willingly. She really yeah, believed it. she believed it. So during a January 2019 appearance in Sioux City, Iowa, she was asked by an attendee, quote, why did you undergo the DNA test and give Donald more fodder to be a bully? The, the right, person asked. Right. She responded, quote, in part, quote, I am not a person of color. I am not a citizen of a tribe. Tribal citizenship is very different from ancestry. Tribes and only tribes determine tribal citizenship, and I respect that difference, end quote. She later reached out to the leadership of the Cherokee Nation to apologize for, quote, furthering confusion over issues of tribal sovereignty and citizenship and for any harm her announcement caused, end quote. The Cherokee Nation Executive Director of Communications, Julie Hubbard, said that Warren understands that, quote, Being a Cherokee Nation tribal citizen is rooted in centuries of culture and laws, not through DNA test, end quote. That, see. That's how you handle. That's how you do it. Look, I have some friends who uh, adopted a little boy. Uh Uh-huh. And the adoption took like an extra three months because some grandpa Mm -hmm. was like, oh, we're Indian. I'm telling everybody Native American girl. Guess who was not Indian? No, no, they were not Indian. (laughs) There was no Native Americans. But some grandpa was like, no, we got some Indian blood. And they're like, you know. Yeah, they have to do their due diligence. They had to do their due diligence. And there was like not not a drop of Native American blood. But that's a common... That's a common thing. But you know what I... And I want to say this on ending with uh, Elizabeth Warren. I I like her of the three front runners. Um, I also like Andrew Yang, who apparently there's been like a, a media blackout. Like they won't. He's been polling at like three percent. Oh really? But they won't cover him, and uh, they're just ignoring the Asian guy. I, I don't. But I like Andrew Yang because he's like give everybody a thousand dollars a month. I vote for Andrew Yang. He's right like now. everybody needs a living wage, and we can afford it. I'm like, uh, yeah, I yeah, agree Andrew with him. Andrew Yang for president. He's like, we'll get rid of homelessness. Yeah, we will. And so, but of the three running, Sanders, uh, Warren, and Biden, I like her the best because she has the most concrete plan. She's given us specifics. She's smart. I like her. She's sensitive to racial issues mm-hmm. as well. And all this. Unfortunately, I don't think she'll win because I don't think people are going to vote for a woman. So I hear what you're saying. And I hate to say that. But- Remember, Hillary had, first of all, she won the popular. 
Yeah. A lot of people voted for Hillary. Yeah. Second of all, a lot of people didn't vote because they just thought, they assumed Trump could never, ever do this. Yeah. Third of all, she had a history, right, where there was so many years of shitting on her. I know. That there were people who were just, it was indoctrinated. They, they didn't like her. Yeah. They're just, how could you like her? And they have no good reason. Right. But they were used to it. That said, my person okay. this week is Who's your a notorious woman, woman that I'm just hoping will inspire. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid. <laughs> Her name is Queen Himiko of Yamatai. Oh. She was born around 170. It says CE, which I think is BC. BCE? Um, BCE. Yeah. Right. Uh, and she was the shamanist queen of Yamatai. Koku in Wakoku. Wakoku. Now, obviously. Is that Japanese? Is Japanese. Oh, Wakoku. She was Japanese. I'm going to be bouncing around a little bit, and uh, we don't, you know, have a ton. Okay. Because this is a long time ago. And it's a woman, and And a Japanese woman, woman, and we're in the West. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, but I'm going to do this. Okay. Because mankind is fully capable of embracing a woman to make things better. Okay. Let's go back thousands of years. Okay. Okay. I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. So the first historical record of her, Himiko, Mm -hmm. they're found in a Chinese classic text, uh, circa 297 in the Records of Three Kingdoms. Okay. Now, this was... The Chinese did a lot of recordings. They yes. they did a lot of more so than most. Yes. So it it it's cool that they decided to. It's to even cool that it survived. Her down and that it survived, right? So the, her early history describes how she came to the throne. Now there's different translations and different texts. I chose this text to read. It. This is a quote: "The country formerly had a man as ruler." For some 70 or 80 years after that, there were disturbances and warfare. Thereupon, the people agreed upon a woman for their ruler. Her name was Himiko. She occupied herself with magic and sorcery, bewitching the people. Though mature in age, she remained unmarried. She had a younger brother who assisted her in ruling the country. After she became the ruler, there were few who saw her. She had 1,000 women as attendants, but only one man. He served her food and drink and acted as a medium of communication. She resided in a palace surrounded by towers and stockades with armed guards in a state of constant vigilance. So that 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 specific quote is from the records of Wei, which was the the records kept by the Japanese scholars. Now, Japanese or Chinese scholars? This was later the Japanese oh, scholars. Okay. So that okay. was I found different no, the um, the Japanese and Chinese civilizations were more closely, and Korean yes. uh, cultures were more closely, closely linked were. back then. Yeah. Part of it is that they weren't, the, the geography of it was, right. dif- was, it was different. different. Yeah. Um, so scholarly, scholarly debates over the identity of Himiko and the location of her domain, Yamatai, have raged since the Edo period, which is oh. 1603 to I'm sorry, that's called Edo period. I apologize, but I assumed you would help me out with this. The Edo period. Edo. I've learned. <laughs> is this considered, you're like, everything I'm saying, you're like, I know, I know. No, I'm, not at all. No, I haven't I heard, heard of her. her. No, Yamatai, no, um, I haven't heard of her. This is called the Yamatai controversy. Okay. Because 
this is the location of where she was. And Yama is a mountain in Japanese. <clears throat> hey. Yeah. Yama. We are learning. Um, I didn't know that. So, so she ruled from 189 AD to 248 AD. So 59 years. Wow. Neither of the two oldest Japanese histories, which is in the year 712, the Kojiki, mm-hmm. or the year 720, the Nihon Shoki, mm-hmm. mentions her. They may have purposely decided not to include her, even if they did know about her. Probably. Um, like Mary Magdalene. Yeah. They, they did include the three imperial family shamans that are, shamans that are identified with her. So it, I think the idea is that it would be odd that they didn't know her. Right. They just, oh, gotcha. Right. So she is the first named and confirmed either male or female figure in all of Japanese history. Really? Which is incredible. So... Most people on Earth who lived and died during the third century have been rendered anonymous uh, by temporal and cultural distance. Hmm. According to a recent survey by the Ministry of Education and Sciences, 99% of Japanese school children recognize and can identify her. So she's basically Oprah, right? Oh, that's of great. like the third century. That's great. Um, her reign spanned the first half of the third century. So Japan wasn't a single political entity like it is yeah, today. Yeah, they were different um, feudal states, city states. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was like it says in what I read was hundreds of like countries or clan nations, which yeah. is a feudal state essentially. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, Europe used to be the same way. Yeah, exactly. Like it was, and then the, the William, William the Conqueror came in and was like. Y'all gonna speak English. Mm. <laughs> it's better that way because Jesus told me to. <laughs> yeah, don't read the book. No, no, no. Everyone's illiterate. It's fine. <laughs> um, nice guy. Just kidding. I know, bad right? guy. Real bad, bad guy. guy. Uh, so as agricultural communes gave way to diversified kingdoms, political power became increasingly consolidated and social status increasingly stratified. So. Okay. People started to see themselves in in a in a in a social space. Right. Right. So they refer to these decades as the transitional era between the Yagoi mm-hmm. and the Kofun. Yagoi was three hundred BC to three hundred AD, which is like so long. <laughs> I know. Years. I love it when they talk I mean, about ancient history. I'm they're like, like, Oh, it's only two hundred and fifty years. And like, I'm like, that's a long time. That's a really long time. And the Kofun, which is two fifty AD to five thirty eight AD. So the qualifications to rule an emerging t- kingdom were as follows. Okay. One, on speaking terms with the gods. Now, you probably know all of this, but female shamans, 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 thank you, uh, were highly regarded in the folk regions and proto-Shintoism of the time. Mm. So considered able to banish malignant spirits on one hand and speaking on behalf of divine spirits on the other. Women had equal access to the spiritual realm and therefore had equal access to the political. So she was likely one of many shamanist queens. And then I wrote down Yas Queen (laughs) because, I mean, it's right there. Asking for it. Um, And so it wasn't asking so much of society to think, you know what, this fucktard has ruined our lives. Let's get a woman who's more connected to the gods, right? And she she ruled for about 60 years. And this, this thing I read, I forgot. I should have written it down. She maintained peace like a boss for 60 years. Because yeah. she did. Yeah. 
Uh, she presided over more than a hundred countries, which you know, which is Japan, yeah. right? Uh, and they acknowledged her as their ruler. She dispatched diplomatic missions to China at least four times during her rule and was met with support and respect. They bestowed on her the title, quote, Queen of Wa, friendly to Wei, along with a golden seal and over a hundred ceremonial bronze mirrors. Wow. So bronze mirrors were apparently the ultimate status symbol. Really? Did you know that? I did, I did not, not know, know that. that. It's interesting. Um, so she died after she died. Some, some dude, some dude, dude, it's no other way of putting it. So some <laughs> dude tried to take the reins over and try to, to rule them and shit went down too quick mm-hmm. and only order was only restored once, uh, Queen Eo, who was 13 years old at the time, took the throne. Wow. So because of the debate over the location of Yamatai, Several cities in Japan now claim her. So there are statues in Kyoshi near Miyazaki Takachino Gorge. Okay. I assume it's a gorge, like a literal gorge. Yeah. And on the grounds of the Himiko Shrine in Hayato. Oh. There are some good and some bad movies about her. There are look-alike contests. Which is odd, odd because, like, they know what she looked like. They don't, and also she's amazing not because of what she looked like, <laughs> but she's so, a girl. So we have to talk about her right. looks. Like her shade of lipstick made no difference. Okay, um, she's found in mangas and video games. Manga. Manga. <sighs> You're getting me I'm back just, for all that I French. Know. All that French. And I'm like, boo boy, boo boy, belly, boo boy, right. boo. Manga. I'm getting manga. it. It's taking Any me a manga person out there would be like, oh, an anime person. You'd be, like, be like, oh my God. Um, no. So her noteworthiness, however, is in her lack of uniqueness. Hmm. This was normal in those days. Women had public authority, economic powers, and spiritual, don't know that word, pres- dominant prestige. They actually were, they were equal. You know what I find interesting, though, is that political power was equal to or um, actually um, propped up by a person's access to the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. And because women could access that. It also reminds me a lot of the Native American um, beliefs about um, women being able to Mm -hmm. lead um, or about the two spirit. There's something um, about the need in yeah. a society. I'm going to use the word primitive, but I, I don't know a better word. Primitive connotates yeah, less than yeah. educated. Yeah, and it I does. Don't, I know what you mean. Uh, but I don't mean yeah. that. Original. I, yeah. Original source. Because we really do need on this planet all all the people. Yeah. Like we all carry an energy. Yeah. And an ability. And we all make this earth it's almost like we not we didn't become more advanced we became less civilized and less civilized in our thinking yes we stopped being able to think things through and we stopped being connected to this planet which literally created us yeah and i think i wonder if too this the this the story of the the monotheistic religions of god put us here oh it separates us from our earth that's interesting. Right? As yeah. opposed to the, you know, we really did come from here. Now, whether you believe in God or not, I, yeah, yeah. that's fine. You can believe in all of that. But we really are part of the earth. Yeah. And that's that's 
that's just w- what it is, yeah. right? We need the oxygen to breathe. At a cellular we level. The, we need the yeah. food that make on this earth to, to, to survive. So that's... But because of the stories we tell, I think we get that gets misconstrued. Yeah. Um, it's just a thought I just had now. No, it's just so interesting when I think about like your story about Mary Magdalene or um, Queen Yamatai or like... Um, Queen even, Miko of Yamatai. Of Yamatai, excuse yeah. me. Um, or like even the Chinese pirate, the female yes, Chinese pirate. Like, because back then they were like, well, she can do the job. So, I mean, all these men right. are like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Right, exactly. It wasn't like, oh, she's she got boobies, so she her brain must there, be smaller. There wasn't, there's sort of a privilege we ha- that is there when you can do that and yeah. kind of get away with it. Yeah. Whereas, like, when you have, um, um, I want to find a better word than primitive, a, an original society, a yeah. society that doesn't, that you can't hide behind a computer. Right. Or, you know, like that, that, that the need of every human is, is clear. Yeah. And also, I mean, a good idea or a good thought can come from anywhere mm-hmm. in any person. Right. Like yep. I've had children say things to me that will blow my mind. I'm like, where did this little kid? Like, Sometimes it's so my obvious. kids come up with things and I'm like, yeah, that's no, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how did they, it's just the, that, that they just saw it that way, yep. you know? And it's like, so this whole idea, I mean, I feel like in the modern world, it's just to um, keep women in their place to yeah. make room for these men. So it's, you say this. So like what happened with this society is that, the Chinese, the Buddhist, and the Confucian ideology were imported. Mm. And this dented society with a patriarchal influence. Mm. So, And this took centuries before this ideology and practice fully emerged. Right. Um, and there's still elements where it, it didn't. Right. You know, that there's, you know, but like, that's what happened. And yeah. ideology took started to to just seep in. Yeah. Um, and it took away, it took away the truth. It's just the truth yeah, that it, we all, we, we're all good. We're all bad. We all, yeah, we're we all, all everything. We're all everything. And it's so interesting. Cause it's almost like, so we keep going through these cycles, right? Like, so like, I feel like we saw like sexism and, and there's no such thing as race except the human race. Well, yeah. This whole color thing is it's actually like, it's a modern like technically uh, we're all human race. Right. Yeah. So like, but this whole, the gender thing, I feel like that probably was solved in like the first hundred years of human civilization. Yeah, probably. And then like, we've been deteriorating from that thought well, ever since really, then. It is interesting because it's like knowledge can get lost, right? Yeah. And progress can get lost. What happens is humans are good and they're bad. Yeah. And we have both in us. And I think I like to think we are more good than bad, but we're also vulnerable and yeah. very, very sensitive. So when things go poorly, we don't handle it well. Right. And that's what happened. And I look back at times, I even look at back, look on things now and I go, there was some intervening that needed to happen in your childhood that didn't happen. Yeah. And some people can bounce out of that, yeah. but some people can't. Yeah. And sometimes it's because they were given too much. No, you know, fear is a very powerful thing. And um, if you catch up with Watchmen, that this, I will. this uh, episode five was about that. But also I'm thinking about like, even something as modern as the 1920s and 30s, 
in Hollywood movies. Talk about racist yes. and sexist. <laughs> but women had much better roles in the 20s yes. and the 30s. And actually, Mary Pickford was like the first superstar in Hollywood. And she was a woman who had her own production studio mm-hmm. in the 20s. Um, what's her name? I did her. Goldberg. Molly Goldberg. Molly Goldberg. Not her name. No, not Molly Goldberg. she played Molly Goldberg. Uh, for- Emma Goldman? Or- no, 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 no. Different. But- oh, yes, yes, remember? yes, yes. She had her own. She was she was Jewish. Yeah. And so. And, she, and, and now it. And that's just in the 1920s and 30s. And I was telling somebody about, because uh, I was doing some research on something. And Mary Pickford built a huge, like, mansion in oh, Beverly yeah. Hills. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. But she had her own production studio. But here's the thing. It's it, just, it goes back to what we were saying about a, an original society. So the movies were new. There wasn't a right. lot of content. Nobody took over and controlled yet. So while things were still happening, if you were creative and talented, you had a place because you could make money. Yeah. And so they weren't able to slough you off as easily yet. Well, you and know, then, I mean, now with the the world of Harvey Weinstein yeah. and all that bullshit. Well, now that now it's and you I, know saturated, and now these men could take control yeah. and be awful, awful, awful. But you know, you were saying earlier about fear because I think I feel like it changed for women in the fifties, and the fifties came after the war. Yeah. So after the war, when the men came back home. Yep. yep. Because uh, women there during the a, war, women were working in and factories they were like, totally and they were making their own money. And so all these women had to go back into the household. And we also had to soothe the male ego. Oh, yes. Honey. And to show men, oh, you are needed. Thank and there's God a place for home. you. That work was awful. You know, now that we're talking this out, that's yeah. when it changed for women's roles. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. In the movies. Because then they all became compliant, sexually available mm-hmm. women, a.k.a. Marilyn Monroe. Naked with the martini waiting for you all day. Right. And so that's when it changed because then people are afraid and they want to get back to their lives after the war. Yeah. So that's so interesting. Wow. Say her name again. Oh, Lord. I always uh, like that. Queen Himiko of Yamatai. Uh, Queen Himiko of Yamatai. Oh, that's so great. Isn't she we great? We have two awesome women. I think so. Very inspirational women yes. who can lead people. Who are doing their thing in uh, BCE mm-hmm. and, and 2019. And so, I mean, if you guys want to know more about these women, go and, you know, do your own research. Yeah. And if you find something interesting about them that we don't know, yeah, email write in us. or email us or tweet at us. Um, and speaking of which, you can tweet at us at Notorious WM Pod. You can also, that's also our Facebook handle. Uh, our email is also notoriouswmpod at gmail.com. Instagram is the only thing that's different, Notorious Women Podcast. And don't forget our Patreon. 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 If you want to contribute to us for like as little as a dollar a month. Yep. Now, I heard mm-hmm. that uh, Kylie Jenner just yes. sold her company. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Majority stake in her company for uh, $600 million. I think we can do that too. So Kylie, I if you want to. the difference between you and I and Kylie Jenner. I, I mean, Kylie, we're just, I'm just saying, Kylie, if you want to contribute like, to us. Yeah, if you want. Uh, yeah. We will cover an Armenian woman. We will cover every month. 95 <laughs> Armenian women every month. Uh, but even if you're not Kylie Jenner and congratulations to her that's Actually, amazing that's great that's, that's amazing. really cool because uh, it's hopefully other young girls I want women to control the world I mean at this I, point I want young girls to be like oh yeah like her cosmetics and that, that but she's a businesswoman well, who yeah. built a company yeah that that to me is is sort of more to the point yes 
Um, you can see, you can be pretty and rich. And the more women <laughs> rich from your own doing do that, yes, you know that can find a way, and it's hard. It's oh, yeah, harder. Yeah, yeah. And so I just you know like props to any woman who can. Do yeah, that. congratulations to her. But if you want to, if you're not Kylie Jenner, but you still want to contribute to, <laughs> if you are someone who isn't her, yeah, yes, you can do for as little as a dollar a month. You can do two dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, or you can give us a one-time payment of a hundred thousand um, contribution. It's tax deductible. Mm-hmm. I think it is. I'm not sure. Look that up. That might um, be wrong. That Anyways. might be wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. But we do have to pay taxes on it. We will pay taxes. We will on pay it. taxes for on sure, it. for sure. Um, so if you want to do that, go to our account and Patreon, and Patreon is spelled P A T R E O N dot com slash notorious women. And we will see you next week, guys. Bye. Bye bye.